I want to talk to you today about something I think is very, very important. You know, the Bible says there are seven things that God hates. Seven things that God hates. Sometimes people say, well, I thought God just hated one thing, sin. Well, that's true. And each of these things is a sin. But specifically in the Bible, there are seven things named that God hates. And three of those seven have to do with our words, W-O-R-D-S. And I get in a lot of trouble with my words. Do you ever get in trouble with your words? Yeah, we all do. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about that today. But look with me on page uh, 564. If you, we're in Proverbs chapter 6, in verse 16, it says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. Have you ever wondered why it does it that way? I mean, you read this elsewhere in the Bible. There are six things, yea, seven. Well, it's a matter in the Hebrew language of emphasis. When you say it this way, the Hebrew people would understand that, you, you know, the six things the Lord hates, yes, seven. It's kind of like, no, it's worse than six. It's seven. And here they are, a proud look, a lying tongue. There's words. That's one of the three things. All right, hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and run into evil. And then verse 19 contains number two and number three. A false witness who speaks lies, that's words. And one who sows discord among the brethren. And that would primarily be words as well. You know, when we think about words, the Bible says that uh, an encouraging word cheers up a person. And you and I know that to be true. But I want us just to think in a very practical way today in our little time together about words. There are just so many verses in the Bible about words. Uh, many of them, of course, are in the book of Proverbs. In the book of James, of course, there's a whole section about the power of the tongue. Uh, you know, it can bless and curse, and this ought not to be the way it is. And so the Bible has a great deal to say about words. And is I think about my words, and, and I want you to think about your words. You know, first of all, you know, our words, they have a power to encourage people. They really do. Like, your words can encourage someone. Dottie and I met earlier this morning in my office with uh, a lady and her husband that uh, live up in the Dallas area, a little beyond Dallas, actually, and... Uh, coming here and has been here so much about tr cancer treatment and uh, it's one of the people that I pray for every day and Dottie every day. They don't belong to our church but we have a connection there. Be that as it may uh, they were here, they are here and they're going through things all day today at MD Anderson but nonetheless we kind of back and forth text and we met this morning to pray at 845 with them here at the church Dottie and I together and, uh, you know, we met to not only pray with them, the husband, the wife, but to encourage them the best we could. And, of course, we encouraged them with our words primarily as we reminded them of God's words that would be appropriate for what they are going through. But words really can encourage people. Each of us have been encouraged by words, whether they be spoken words or written words. Uh, I failed to mention it. I should have mentioned it, but I chose not to mention it. You know, you get to a certain age in life and you just quit mentioning it. Do you understand what I'm talking about? 
But on Father's Day this year was also my birthday the same day. And I forgot to mention that to you. And obviously there was a tremendous lack of gifts from you <laughs> for my birthday. I, I, I have time activated that to remember next year to give a better warning about that. But seriously, you know, we all get birthday cards on our on our birthday, and in, in many of the cards, people write just kind things, just kind things. And, you know, I, before I get rid of all those cards, in fact, some I don't ever get rid of, uh, I, I like to read them one more time and just be encouraged. And whether it be a birthday card or whatever it might be, I'm just saying there's no one in this room that has not been encouraged by words, and we need to be reminded. We, that's one way we can encourage people, by our words. Yesterday, uh, I was leaving home, right? I ate a little early lunch, and I was coming then here to the office. And just as I was about to leave the house, my cell phone rang, and I looked and saw who it was was calling, one of our good deacons calling. And I thought, well, uh, I best uh, should answer the phone. And I did, and he started the conversation this way. Do you have just a minute? Don't you like one of those conversations? Now, first of all, there'll never be such a thing as that. You understand. People say, Pastor, I've got a problem. I need just a minute. Well, you can't solve much of a problem in just a minute. But at least he said it was going to be, and it was pretty much not a long conversation. But here's what he said. He said, my wife and I have been praying, and we feel that God has put on our heart, and we talked to our Connection group, our Sunday school class has kind of changed names to Connection group. Uh, those that would change, some in rebellion, they don't want to change. But you know, in the Baptist church, everybody just does what they want to, so that's okay. Uh, he said, Our class, I talked to them Sunday about it, and we would like to get involved in helping with Sarah's house. Now, you may or may not know anything, or you may know a lot about Sarah's house. But there are like six or seven different ministries in our area that help people with different needs, like the bridge. Most everybody here has heard of the bridge. Well, that's a, that's a place every month our church sends money to help the bridge. We've done that for years. And likewise, six or seven other things. And Sarah's house. Now, the bridge, you know, is for abused women. And the children of those women are there as well. It's quite, a, it's quite a ministry there, to say the least. Now, Sarah's house is a completely different thing. It is a place that, that like, homeless women go. And, of course, most of them have children as well. They don't have, like, all of the possessions are like in what you and I just call, like, a garbage bag. That's all they have. They have nowhere to live. I mean, either go there or just out on the street. And, and, and Sarah's house is, is really a, uh, it's just a touching thing. And so I've gone to these, all these places lately. Our emphasis in the church is to expand what we do as a church beyond the walls of our church. Now, all churches do things beyond the walls. We certainly do. But we now can do more beyond the walls than we've perhaps done ever. And so we started in this deal with the things that are just in our area. And knowing that many of our people have never been to the bridge or Sarah's house or the pregnancy center or 
uh, Pasadena Community Ministry, which is another just out, just unbelievable ministry. Uh, and over on Park Place, the, uh, the food and clothing ministry there. But so I've gone there with the camera crew from the church, and we're making these little videos. And on Sundays, I'm showing the people little videos. They have them on the screen just to help the people see the needs that are out there. You know, most of us, we have a house to live in. We have a bed to sleep. We have too much food to eat. We've got more clothes, clothes we can put in our closet. Well, that's not the way it is for everybody. And I can't take the whole church to these places. That's not practical. It's not doable. So I'm doing it that way to try to just say, folks, and now what I'm doing is trying to organize a way that we can involve many of our people in doing even more. And that's kind of already taking place. But Sarah's house had concerned me. I thought, boy, it's going to take someone with a real passion for this to want to get involved in Sarah's house. It's going to be easier to bridge. Well, this good deacon called and said, my wife and I have a, a passion about that. Could we in our class be involved in helping with it? And, and you talk about words of encouragement. I, I just thought, my gracious, prayer answered, you know, because that's a good family and they'll They'll be serious about that responsibility, and they'll be kind of coordinators over that. But I, say, I share that to say that uh, that just blessed me in such a wonderful way. And I'm going to be sharing in weeks to come a way that Tuesday Bible Lunch could do something special to help people at Thanksgiving have a Thanksgiving meal. And I've never, the whole history of Tuesday Bible Lunch, I've never asked you to do anything but come and eat and not snore during my time to talk. I've never, we don't ever ask you to do anything. But I'm just going to present the opportunity to you somewhere here soon and let you be thinking about it and join with us in the church and many others do the same thing. And we could be a blessing by providing a Thanksgiving meal to people and children that wouldn't even have a Thanksgiving meal, really, literally. And, uh, uh, we'll just see what happens out of that. You know, this whole idea about how words can encourage. Yesterday, I received a long email. Now, normally, my long emails are not encouraging. They're normally discouraging. You ever notice that? The longer one of these things get, you just better get ready. Well, my, my emails are somewhat looked at before I get them, uh, and much of it is handled by others and but yet, if I need to do something, and, you know, if somebody's just being plumb mean to me, they don't normally probably give me that email because it wouldn't do any good. I mean, just, it's an upsetting thing. But this email yesterday came from a, a man in our church. Um, I would have never thought he had written such an email as this. And, Lois, about the, oh, here it is, big old long thing, just saying thank you for this and thank you for that and the difference this has made in my life, my family's life, and I read through this thing and I thought, wow, this counterattacks the bad email that I got the day before. And so I laid it on top of that email. Now, I say that to say, hey, anybody in public works, if you're, in, you're just going to get some bad stuff. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But you're going to get some good stuff. And I'm just saying, it's amazing. I don't know how long it took this guy. I was, this thing blessed me, so I took it and had Dottie to read it. And then I read it again this morning. And I'm just saying, just no more time than it took that man to write that. He can't know what that meant to me. But now words also have the power to discourage people. And, and we all know that. And I won't belabor that. We've all been discouraged by words. 
and we have also, uh, I'm sure, discouraged others by words. I, I was talking this morning back to the lady and her husband that are here for the cancer treatment, and they have a an 11 year old daughter, and I and then they have I think about a three or four year old child. I'm not sure, but boy, girl, on that one, but. She was telling me about her 11-year-old daughter this morning, and she, made, she said something that I didn't understand. She said that she was talking to her daughter recently, and her 11-year-old daughter was telling her at school one day, one of the 11-year-old girls burned this other girl. And that I, I, I kind of caught my attention. I said, what, what do you mean burn? She said, well, you know, like you burn somebody, you roast somebody. I said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, well, you, you know, this is the teenage and pre-teenage language. Like, like if you just really ate somebody alive with your words, the teenagers call that you burned them or you roasted them. Have you ever felt burned by words? You hadn't? Well, <laughs> Well, next time we meet, by the way, now we don't meet next Tuesday, Jimmy forgot to mention that too, it's July the 4th. So have a safe July the 4th, but we'll meet then the following Tuesday. Well, you know, I, I, I wrote that down, that impressed me, you know, I thought I need to get in. See, I don't understand, you know, John tells me, Dad, you've got to get in the mind of today's youth. And I say to John, they don't have a mind. He said, yes, they do, Daddy. You've got to get in their mind. And then I say to John, you get in their mind. I don't even want in their mind. But, but that's not true. But I'm just saying this. They, they, they live a different way. They, they speak a different language. They march to a different drummer. We'd agree on that, do we not? And I, like, you know, here's an 11-year-old using terminology. I don't know what they're talking about. I, I'm going to burn somebody. I'm going to roast somebody. Well, words can do that. And then words not only can encourage and discourage. Words have tremendous influence. Now, we may not think as much about that, but they do. Our words are powerful in their influence. It, is, it has always been that way. I think back in the Bible, back in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, the words of Satan, the devil, the old serpent, Satan's words influenced Eve to eat the forbidden fruit. It's a very interesting story, Genesis chapter 3. Then... Her words influenced Adam to do likewise. And uh, now we don't actually read that in the Bible, but it's obviously implied that after she had been deceived by the devil, by his words, she somehow or another got, you know, Adam to eat. I, I mean, I don't think she twisted his arm. I don't, you know, I don't know what she said. It's not in the record. But somehow with her words that she did that. So words have a tremendous influence. Then I thought, well, also in the Bible, there's like Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. And their words uh, helped the Philippian jailer become a believer in Jesus Christ. What they, said, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Now, here's the bottom line with this, about words. We can't control what other people say or right. Now, I need to speak to that just a moment. You know, in this day and time of social media, especially with the internet, I'm, I'm convinced people write things that they probably wouldn't say face to face. Wouldn't you agree with that? 
And uh, it has kind of expanded the power of influence. And, uh, but ha having said that, you know, you have Facebook. People just put anything on Facebook. It can be true. It can be false. It can be just, uh, uh, it can be anything. And, and we can't control that. I can't, I can't control what people click the send button. Or I can't control what people say, uh, you know. But here's what you can do. You can control what you say. And I can control what I say. And if I take care of my business, this job, just my own confession here, you know, others will just have to do what they have to do. And, you know, they'll be held accountable. In fact, the Bible says we're going to be judged not only by the words that we speak, but even the words that we thought that we never did even say. So this whole thing about words, we're going to one day, we're going to one day stand before God. And I would dare say, I don't, I can't, I wouldn't go to the stake on this, but I dare believe this is something to consider that one of the big areas where many people are going to lose their rewards, now I'm not talking about their salvation, I'm talking about their rewards, is going to be stuff that's come out of their mouth that should never have come out of their mouth. Now, I can't control that, nor am I going to spend much time judging all that. People just say what they want to say, and you see that all the time. Uh, but we can, we can control what we say, or at least we can make an effort to control what we say. Now, this leads me to two or three things I want you to kind of remember, if you will. Just things to consider. You know, that's a good way to say something. I'm not saying you should do this or shouldn't. I'm just saying, let's just consider these things. Number one, when it comes to words, we need to always consider this. People have feelings. They really do. People have feelings. Everybody has feelings. Some more sensitive than others, whatever. But all of us have feelings. Sometimes I, I can get my feelings hurt. You can get your feelings hurt. Perhaps we hurt other people's feelings. But we just need to remember when it, with our words, other people have feelings. Now, second thing is we need to think before we speak or click the send key. <laughs> you know, uh, Sometimes, you know, you, I mean, once you click that send key, you can't unsend that thing. It is gone. But once you say something, I mean, you can say, I'm sorry I didn't mean that, but you can't get it back. They can't get it back. And the truth is, they probably did mean it. They just probably didn't mean to say it. And probably we did mean it too. And we didn't mean to say it at least like we said it. Uh, the Bible says, he who has knowledge spares his words. I, I love that verse. And, uh, uh, it's, it's something we ought to always consider. So think before you speak or send a, uh, an email or a text or whatever it might be. And then number three, before you say something uh, or before you send it, however, mail or internet or text or Facebook or whatever you do, I think there's some things you can ask yourself that will help you. And you can just, you know, you just almost have to memorize these in your mind because you won't walk around with a note saying, now let me see, before I say something, I've got to do this. Well, it doesn't take a brilliant person to remember other people have feelings. You know, everybody has feelings. And, and, and number two, uh, we need to think about not only what we're about to say, but how we're going to say this in such a way that it would build them up and not tear them down. But then these three things, ask yourself, is what I'm about to say true? And that will eliminate a lot of problems. It's not, you say, well, I know it's true. I read it in the paper. <laughs> well, I know it's true. I heard it on the news. Uh, 
Well, you know, we really need to know if something's true before we say it. Uh, you know, we, we need to have firsthand information on that deal. And just because somebody else says it's true doesn't make it true. Do I, do I know absolutely certain that what I am about to say is true? And then number two thing, a second thing to ask yourself, will the words I'm about to speak build up? I love that verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It's talking about our words. It says they're to edify, they're to build up, they're to give grace to the hearers, not grief. And I, it doesn't say not grief. I added that. Give grace to the hearers. It is, okay, or grief and sometimes. But, you know, am I going to build up? Or, and it's hard to do sometimes. It's hard. I was meeting with a staff member yesterday at the meeting. I just finished my Tuesday Bible lunch. And I had an appointment with one of our staff members to deal with two or three issues. And I said to that staff member, now, I'm going to deal with two or three things today. One's a little painful. And I've just finished a Bible study. I'm going to preach tomorrow on words. And I'm going to try to do what I just uh, am going to teach tomorrow. And when I finished, I said, did I do good or bad? And they said, you did good. Of course, that's what they should have said. But uh, <laughs> I asked them again today. I said, you remember our conversation yesterday? I said, did I do good or did I not do good? Yeah, you did good. I said, well, could we talk about that some more today? And they said, yes. And when I finished that conversation, they said, you didn't do as good today as you did yesterday. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a work in progress. All right. Well, now, third thing is, will the words I'm about to speak be pleasing to God? You know, John quoted Adrian Rogers Sunday night. He said, you know, Adrian Rogers said, you know, what, if I can remember how, how you said that, said, you know, it doesn't matter if you uh, please people. If you don't please God, what matters is you please God, whether you please people or not. I didn't say that as well as Dr. Rogers did, but that's so true. You know, you want to, you want to just, that's a good thing. I'm about to say something. Is this going to be pleasing to God? I'm about to respond to this email. Is this going to be uh, pleasing to God? And you know, sometimes I'll put a little delay or might might help you to do it the other way. Well, these things all kind of help us, but there's a solution to this thing. Like these are like band-aids, you know. People have feelings, okay. Think before you speak or send a text or email, okay. Is it true? Okay. But, but here, here there is a cure for this whole word problem, and the Bible makes it very, very clear. The solution is to have a right heart. That's it. You know, Jesus said, it's in the Bible. And it quotes the words of Jesus, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what we need to do is, and the Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of your heart proceed the issues of life. So if my heart is right, and, and your heart is right, it's going to impact not only what we say, it's going to impact how we say what we say. And so maybe to you today, words is no big deal, but I think it's probably some big deal to all of us in some ways. Just ask God to let our words be something that please Him, encourage others, bless others, inspire others, and, and be true in what we say. And then when others don't respond in that way, to, you know, take the high road. I say that to so many people. You know, you take the high road. And um, not always easy to do, but remember this, right is not always easy, but right is always right. Father God, I want to take the high road in my words, and sometimes I mess up. Sometimes I know I'm about to mess up and still mess up. And other times, God, I mess up and, 
just kind of blindsided. And, and then God, sometimes I didn't realize I messed up to life drive messed up. And perhaps to some degree we're all like that. But God, the key, the solution is to have a pure heart, have a right heart. God, I just, I want to know my heart. And I know you know my heart. And God, uh, I, I can't, others don't always know my heart. And I don't always know their heart. But God, you know each of our hearts. And I pray that our hearts will be pure. I pray that our hearts will be clean. I pray that our hearts will have no anger, no bitterness, no envy, no jealousy. And and God, if we can just have the right kind of heart, then what we say will please you and what a blessing that can be. God, my prayer today for my own self, I'm going to meet with people this afternoon and I've got a meeting tonight. And God, I'll just be around people the rest of the day in one way or another. God, help me today to bless you, to please you, and to encourage people with my words. And each of us, that is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.